bitch. That's the consequence. I got this. I will not quit. Man, I'm on it. Honest. I'm gonna launch quick. Then I'm gone. It's just a matter of time before I'm over the prime and moving on to my prime. Just quit my Welcome, mind. welcome back to the Sky's the Limit podcast. A podcast based around showing you that anything you set your mind to is possible. I'm your host, Lucas Aylward. Thanks again, guys, for tuning in to today's episode. I know it's been a minute, but it's worth the wait because today's episode is going to be great. have a great guest on here today. Uh, lots of value in today's episode, and we are going to be chatting with D. Murthy. Now, guys, if you don't know who D. Murthy is, let me give you a little rundown on him. So D. Murthy is a co-founder of Los Angeles-based 4-5 Group. So 4-5 Group is a holding company for fashion brands. So basically it consists of uh, brands Young and Reckless, New Republic, Grand AC, uh, Club Fantasy, uh, Menno Club, just to name, name a few. Uh, he's into uh, He's been into the fashion industry and clothing industry for 17 years. And he's running the multi-million dollar business. So it's very successful, very experienced guy. He knows what he's talking about. So I'm very excited to pick up his brain. He also is the co-host to Group Chat Podcast with Drama, if you know who that is. And he also has his own podcast as well. And his podcast is called The Detour Podcast. So, guys, get ready to pay attention and listen to Mr. D. Murthy. How's it going, man? Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So, the first thing I want to ask you and get into, it's obviously you're into the fashion industry. I'm very big into fashion myself. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me more about your background of how you got into the fashion in- industry and why you got into creating clothing companies. Well, it actually was kind of... Uh really an accident. We were uh, students uh, at USC, which is a college in LA. And uh, we were in the entrepreneurship program. We were about to start our first class in the entrepreneurship program. And a friend and I were sitting around a week before school started. And we were like, we need to write a business plan on something because you had to write it on the full year. And I don't know, we had just been in like, we had we were in the midst of a recession um, and it was really kind of trying to find industries that we think will be around for a while that uh, made, had low barriers to entry. So we picked clothing because we thought it would be fun and we wrote a business plan and actually started the business six months later. And here we are 17 years later, still doing it. So, a little question I have about that is, I know you said you started that 17 years later. What would you say to somebody who wanted to start it now in this generation with the way technology is now and social media? Do you feel like it could be harder to do what you did or a little bit easier based on the way that you can network and make connections? Well, to, the first step is making product. It's never been easier to make product. Um, so I think that part is actually quite easy. The barrier to entry to get into fashion is very, very low. It's why... It's like music. Anyone can just do it at their house and, and, and get going. The challenge really is like marketing and building your brand. When I started, retailers controlled distribution and popularity of brands. So it was a very different uh, way of going about things. Today, obviously, most of these new brands are direct-to-consumer, and the consumer has the choice. The problem is for the brand, it's very, very hard to reach consumers at scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's really the challenge for today's new 
fashion entrepreneur is that yes it's great it's easy to make product uh you can make great product pretty easily the challenge is, is like how are you going to market it because you know the, the retailers are unfortunately like gatekeepers but if you're able to break through a retailer and they supported you you got in the face of thousands and thousands if not millions and millions of customers so that's really the challenge for today's new brand mm -hmm. so what about the brands that would want to strictly stick to e-commerce and not really get into like a retail chain? What would you yeah, say? Yeah, that's my that I would say that it's really hard okay. because to build anything of scale, there's probably 10,000 new brands launched every single day mm -hmm. and it's so easy to launch a site on Shopify and sell your product. To sell meaningful volume of clothes day in and day out is very very hard direct-to-consumer because how are you efficiently driving traffic to your website, right? Do you have this huge following on social media? Um, great, maybe you can transfer some of those people into customers. Uh, if not, you're buying ads on Facebook and Instagram and Google and those only work to a certain point. So you really have to take the time to actually build great product, tell this amazing brand story and hope that it resonates with people. And over time, you can build a great business and a great brand, but you know, it just takes time and patience and like real focus on building a brand. When you first started out, obviously you were still new and you're uh, building up the brand. What was that one thing that kind of pushed you to, I guess, success? For us, you know, when we started our business, there was no direct to consumer, there was no e-commerce. You just, that stuff didn't really exist. Uh, so for us, there was a moment when we launched denim and we launched this like really great denim collection and it was priced at like a hundred dollars. And at that point, premium denim was just getting started and everyone else was selling jeans for like 150, 200 and 250. And the mere fact that we were at a hundred dollars our jeans just exploded. They were originally priced at $60. And my investor at the time was like, I think you should price these at 100. I think they'll sell better at 100 than at 60. And he was absolutely right. The jeans went priced at 100. And then the rest is history. The brand just exploded right after that. So the scenario I wanted to ask you about that I've seen myself on social media, basically there's an influencer or a public figure who gets very popular with hundreds of thousands of followers and then they launch their own clothing line and their audience becomes their customers. That's the straightforward way that I see it working. But then yeah. you have younger people who are inspired by that who say to themselves, listen, I want to do what that person did, so I'm going to start my own fashion brand or my own clothing line. And they only have a couple hundred followers or a couple thousand. So they're kind of in the very, very beginning, starting at the very bottom. They don't have any customer base. They don't have anybody really to support their brand. And they're kind of going day by day with that grind. What advice would you give somebody like that to actually start to scale and become, you know, a well-known brand and to make more money with it? That is, that is the million-dollar question. I mean... The challenge is even for those people that have millions of followers, and I work with some of the biggest influencers in the world, most of them can't sell quotes, like r real volume of quotes. And the challenge is you actually have to have a 
connection with your customer where they will hand you money. That's if you're an influencer or a famous person. Mm-hmm. If you're not one of those types of people, which most people are not, then you really have to focus on the product. And most people just go ahead and launch a brand. They do very little homework on what's the market opportunity, is their product market fit, the price point, who's who, who am I defining my customer as, things like that. If you actually do your homework in advance and then say, okay, here's the white space in the market and this is why I think this brand will work, you have a much higher likelihood of at least getting some traction. Um, succeeding in fashion is very, very, very hard. I've seen so many brands come and go in the, in the last 17 years. The challenge is that I don't think people do enough homework on like defining what they are doing, why they are doing it, and does the market even need it? Like so many, I'm a lot of my brands are in streetwear, and every day I meet a kid that has a streetwear brand. That's like the most crowded space, easiest, lowest barrier to entry. Like, why? Why are you? Why is a why is a customer going to pick your brand over the million other choices they have today? And and people rarely have the answers to those questions. You know, and that kind of brought up another point that I I just wanted to say is, like, I know I'm my myself. I'm in the fashion uh, space. Like, I love I love lifestyle fashion and streetwear and stuff like that. And I also am really big into fitness. And I know there's a lot of smaller fitness companies popping up as well. Now, I'm not mm-hmm. saying that their quality is low. They have high quality products, but you have the massive massive leaders at in the fitness industry, like such as Gymshark and other companies. And then you have the smaller companies who are uh, price points at the exact same, you know, the charging the exact same as one of these really reputable brands. So then that brings the question to me of why would somebody spend 30 or $40 on a t-shirt from a unknown company when they can also put that money into a more uh, reputable company? Cause then you have that I'm wearing that company on me. So for somebody new, like we just covered, um, <clears throat> you don't believe that, uh, a smaller, a smaller company getting, a massive influencer would benefit them. So what are other marketing tactics that you could recommend? So, I mean, I think a lot of things that you can do is really about like, what can you do that creates a community? What can you do that lets people touch and feel the brand? And, you know, there are people that have done an excellent job of building their community or brand via pop-ups, events, uh, creating moments where you can shine with your brand because it's not it's very hard to build your brand on social media because it's kind of late it's been it's been done so unless you're doing something so unique that is going to get people excited because your product is so unique you're not going to probably build your brand on social media like what Gymshark did is anomaly, right? They did, they took advantage of fitness influencers early on and built this amazing community of like-minded people. Can you do that again? Sure, it will just cost a lot of money to replicate what they've done. They were able to do it efficiently very early on. And even them, which they're a pretty big brand, they're still a peanut compared to what a Nike or an Adidas or an Under Armour or a Lululemon, which is what most people are actually wearing to work out. Mm-hmm. So it's you're competing against some of the biggest, best industries. So I have an active wear brand in that space, 
and we've made our focus very niche. So like we only focus on runners. All we care about are people that run outside. We don't even care about people that run in the gym. So like we're so focused on a small group of people and we're going to we're building our community with the, with those people. It'll eventually grow to people outside of that world of interest, but today it's a very niche brand that we are building amongst runners. And that's really my hope is like focus on a niche and grow from there. And I think that's the best way to kind of build a brand if you don't have the money or you don't have the fame. I agree with that 100%. I know that there's a lot of things <clears throat> that are getting popular now, ways to make money, um, just because we have access to it. And uh, <clears throat> then the way to stand out, obviously, is to niche down because if you're following a business model and they are, it's a very common thing to see amongst people, um, niching down is your only way to actually be unique. Um, so where you have multiple, you're involved with multiple clothing lines, do you have a, I guess, the same type of blueprint in your head to create uh, success within each one of them? Or do you have ones that will do well and then the others will fail and you'll give them up? Or how does that work where you have multiple? Yeah, I mean, each brand we have kind of serves a purpose in our portfolio, reaches an audience that the other brand doesn't. And we have different, like, expectations and time horizons and resources given to each of these brands. So we have eight different brands targeting eight different groups of people and different categories. So we have footwear, we have activewear, we have apparel, we have streetwear, we have luxury. And so we, we kind of have defined a reason to have every single one of these brands. Um, and that's really how we've, built this business and yes some will some will struggle and some will take off right away but we really are very patient in building brands like been doing this for 17 years like some of the brands we launched we expect them to take five years to get any traction some of the brands we launched if it doesn't take off for the first 12 months we did something wrong so those are the kind of the high level way we look at some of these things. Okay. So can you get a little bit, uh, in go into young and reckless and how you built that up? Because that's one I know fairly well. And I'd like to hear a little bit of the story of how that came to be. Yeah. So young and reckless was started 10 years ago. Um, a buddy of mine was managing two television reality stars, uh, that had a show called fantasy factory. Mm -hmm. And it was on MTV. It was highly rated. And they approached us about being uh, one of the guys on the show approached me about being his partner on fashion brand called Young and Reckless. And I wasn't familiar with him. I wasn't familiar with the show. Uh, I just wasn't watching TV at that time. So I had no idea who they were. And I passed at first glance. Uh, a year later, they approached me again. And I actually sat and watched the show and I realized, wow, they're this enormous platform and a marketing opportunity. Let's take advantage of it. So we ended up launching the brand, not thinking it was just going to be like a one or two year run, mm -hmm. hopefully make some money and move on. But it ended up taking off on day one and we were able to get it into that show was so influential that I was able to just walk it into all the retailers in America day one. And that really is what built a, uh, the business uh, kind of the old way, which is just on the backs of retailers. 
and we use those relationships to scale uh, scale the business, build a brand that's been around now for 10 years that is also now have a huge direct-to-consumer e-commerce business um, and with global distribution all over the world. But it took time and a lot of hard work and, and really separating the brand from a TV show was our biggest challenge. But, you know, we've lived far beyond that now. Okay. So in your opinion, how important is uh, personal branding, like your own reputation when it comes to building uh, a business? Can you have a, can you build a business very, very popular, but you yourself, your personal brand doesn't exist? Or do you believe that you need to have a successful personal brand to have a successful business? No, I mean, I, I think having a personal brand is very important because it just helps uh, build something in a way that's more unique than the next brand. And that's really why, because everyone individually is different, but clothing itself or most things we're going to all sell in our life are a commodity. So fashion is a commodity. You can buy shirts, t-shirts from $5 to $5,000. It all depends on you know, who you are and what, what matters to you. So the reason why the personal brand is so important is that it actually allows you to separate what you mean as a brand. Cause now people can identify. It's a lot easier for a consumer to identify with a human being versus a brand. And so if it's a heritage brand, sure. We all know what Nike and we all know what Under Armour stands for and very different. But in today's digital media, media age, we're, consumers are savvy and want to know who's behind everything. I think that's why a personal brand does matter is that it allows you to actually tell a more unique story than the next person. Okay. So where do you see yourself in the next five years? Do you have any big goals and big visions for the next five years with, with your growth and your scaling? Uh, we've scaled to a pretty big size where I'd be very content if we were able to maintain a healthy, profitable business. My goal personally would more to hire, continue to hire. We hired our first CEO for one of our brands, hire CEOs for all of our brands in the next five years so that I could really focus on strategy and content and things that I think will drive the business to the next level. Uh, you know, being in the weeds of the business for all these years, it's just exhausting. It's and it's not sustainable and it doesn't sometimes these businesses need a new fresh perspective but you know the timing has to be right to bring in people and i think in the next 5 years like we're going to find great people that like can lead us to the next uh, phase of growth you know and i did see your uh, your black friday cyber monday photo on instagram the warehouse and i thought that was pretty mind-blowing it seems like you've got a lot going on there so it's uh yeah. it's really intense um so i also know the reason why i brought a personal branding because i know that you have your own podcast so yep. would you like to kind of explain why do you personally feel like you wanted to do podcasting so i know a lot of people don't do podcasts and then there's some that love doing podcasts why did you start to do a podcast what was your goal with that um really it was about building a connection with my customer. So what I realized was we had scaled to $50 million in revenue a few years ago, and we didn't really have a connection with our customer. 
mm-hmm. fact, we had no connection. We had we were just a transaction. And I was really trying to understand like how do we change this because 15 years ago, we were a very cool, very personal brand to our customer. And then the internet actually hurt our brand. It helped our business but hurt our brand. And because it was so easy to grow because of Facebook and Google and all these great marketing tools that these platforms allowed us. But unfortunately, we got lazy in terms of brand building. So I really wanted to go back and really connect with my customer. So I launched a podcast with the full idea of let me go build a personal relationship with my customer, not knowing who would listen. Will my customer listen? Will it be someone else who listens? And we launched group chat and, you know, two years later, the worlds have collided. So the customer and the listener are now the same person. Mm -hmm. And so that's really kind of changed our entire business. Now people are signing up because they have a connection with me versus, oh, I want to be a Menlo Club subscriber because I want clothes delivered to my door. If that was the case, there's thousands of options. If you just... If there's a connection because of me, then that's unique to only us. And so those are the, that was the real intention of like building this relationship with people. And I think we've been very successful at doing that. And you know what? That point is, uh, <laughs> I really relate to that because I know myself, I, I'll, I'll purchase some stuff from online, uh, <laughs> like clothing lines and stuff like that, mainly because I'm a fan of the person who owns yeah. the brand. I don't actually buy it because I like the quality of the clothing or I like how the clothing looks. I will, yeah. I will just straight up buy it because I want to support that person. So going back to uh, a young entrepreneur who's starting out with their clothing line, do you have any resources or um, videos, books, anything like that that you could recommend or kind of push that way to, you know, teach them the next thing that they need to know? Honestly, there's no book in the world that can teach you what's going on in fashion. I think the best thing is you have to experience it for yourself. Uh, I do have another podcast called Detour. I do a lot of interviews with fashion CEOs that are doing pretty amazing things. I think that'll be a nice intro into it and understanding what's going on in fashion. But ultimately, uh, you got to go live it. And so if that means going to China, going to Canton Fair and learning how clothes are made, if that means going to Paris Fashion Week and seeing how high fashion works, uh, whatever, wherever your industry live, work, play, you have to be around it. That's how ultimately you're going to learn it. There's Unfortunately, there isn't a, there, there isn't a handbook on fashion that I would ever recommend to anyone. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, obviously real life experience is going to teach you more than anything else anyways. Uh, just being able to experience it and learning and adapting to the things that you actually live in your life is going to be something that teaches you the most because I know people learn from their mistakes and people learn from their experience. Anyways, um, is there any like final notes that you would like to kind of uh, put out here? Anything that uh, you'd like to just state instead of uh, me asking you a question? Anything that I missed that you would just like to let me know? Uh, not really. I mean, I think the I think the gist of what you know we talked about was really you know if you're interested in fashion, you're interested in building a brand. It's really that there's this an enormous opportunity today to build a personal brand. That is the most unique thing that anyone can bring to the table, but it takes consistency, it takes time, it takes patience, 
And there's a lot of off offline work that needs to be done to build a community for your brand that I think uh, people constantly overlook, but is extremely important. And I would just like to thank you personally, because I know I, I wanted to record this episode to provide value to the audience. But me personally, I'm very into fashion myself. Uh, I've done some affiliate marketing for some brands in Canada and stuff like that. But I, one of my main goals is actually to uh, make my own fashion brand someday down the line. I have to, obviously, I have a niche uh, in my head, but obviously hearing you talk and hearing your experiences kind of gave me uh, a little bit of motivation myself to uh, take that next step when the time comes. So I'd just like to thank you so much for jumping on my podcast. I uh, appreciate your time so much. Yeah, you're a very busy guy. And like I said, the fact that you took the time to do this uh, really means the world to me. Uh, where can we find you for anybody who's interested in anything else that you're doing, your uh, clothing, your podcasts, and such like that? Yeah, I'm on uh, Instagram at D Murthy. That's D E M U R T H Y. Same on LinkedIn, Twitter, all those platforms. I'm there. All my uh, experiences and content and kind of views on the world are on all those platforms. So check me out. Awesome. Anyways, thank you so much. And guys, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star rating and write me a review. I love to read the reviews. Make sure to check him out. Check out his clothing. Great stuff. Anyways, guys, until next time, thank you so much. Peace.